there was a woman there and you know as a as a Yoruba person and she knew that she was going to a Nigerian restaurant and she called this woman auntie and basically the, the the lady came back and turned to her and said don't call me auntie call me mommy and I was like what <laughs> Hi, it's Lara here and you're listening to Those Nigerians where myself and my lovely co-host will be sharing with you all things exciting and insightful about Nigeria's culture, history, politics, business and all-round entertainment. Keep listening for new stories about the same people. So, hi, welcome to this episode of Those Nigerians. Uh, This is a very first episode and I'm really excited to have my lovely co-host here with me. Um, So I'm going to get her to introduce herself in a minute. But before I do that, can you just confirm to me what tribe in Nigeria are you from? Like which part of, which, which of the tribes? I am from the Yoruba tribe in Nigeria. Fantastic. Okay, so I'm going to get you to introduce yourself right now. And before you do that, I want you to introduce yourself in Yoruba. And think about this, you've only got 60 seconds, you're in the lift with uh, the president of Nigeria, they're looking for an ambassador to represent Nigeria in the World Conference in Germany. But they're looking for an authentic, like someone who can truly represent and be Nigerian. So you've got 60 seconds to introduce yourself. Go. <laughs> Hello, Mr. President. Nigeria. Nigeria is my very passion. <laughs> I'm so bad. Are you not so going to tell us your name? Oh, yeah. Okay, let me try again. Okay. Mr. President, a castle, if it's the afternoon, a caro, Orukomini, Abisola, um, ah, Nigeria, Owa, Ninu, Okomi, Pupo, Pupo, Mofero, Nigeria, Gidigo, Kefimishe, Ambassador, Ma represents Nigeria, Dada. Oh, my day. Well done. I don't know. I don't know if they will choose you, but well done. I don't, I don't even think I'll choose myself. Like my the funny thing is I, I, I hear it, I understand. But then I think when and in my mind I can just in my mind's eye I can just speak it, you know. But then when I open my mouth, it's like, oh, oh <laughs> no, I can't. So well, but, yeah. that's something to work on then, do you reckon? Yeah. I think, I think more and more people are actually starting to get more interested in learning the language and just being a bit more culturally aware. Yeah, I think, but I think it's nice and it's important. I think my my it's just the fact that Yoruba is a very tonated language. Mm-hmm. I think that's my problem because in my mind I can actually hear it and I can actually speak it in my mind. And I even got this is how much I really wanted to learn. Um, I got a Yoruba Bible as well just to just to oh wow yeah I did I have a Yoruba Bible just to see sometimes some of my favorite verses or whatever just to see how you really just speak in like in my mind I can actually speak it fluently but once I open my mouth I just get humbled (laughs) 
<laughs> because yeah, it's a, tonated, it's a tonated language. Like one thing can mean so many different things. Like yeah, like yeah. No, it's a beautiful language, man. Um, so many beautiful languages in Nigeria. Yeah. But since you've now felt, um, you know this. <laughs> You're, you're not going to be representing Nigeria in the World Conference. How are you, generally? How are you doing? Ah, I'm doing well. I feel like in just in the midst of the lockdown, you know, I'm doing, I'm generally doing okay. Still working. Um, actually, work takes most of my time, um, even in this lockdown. But I feel like the lockdown has cut down like commuting time, but then still, there's still stuff to do. And it's still discipline not to overwork and, because the work is there with you wherever. So, but generally, I'm doing well. Totally, I agree with you. I, I also, I'm working from home and it's just a lot to make sure not to be overworking. Um, but it's okay, like you said, it cuts out the commute time. And I just always think, oh, you know, if I was commuting, I would be, it would take me an hour and a half. So maybe I can just spend that extra hour and a half um, <laughs> doing a bit more work, but... You know, thank God that we actually still have jobs because at this time a lot of people are losing their jobs um, and are struggling. Yes, yeah, so true. And I think it's a great time of reflection overall for a lot of people because not only are people losing their jobs, but people are also being affected by the virus uh, and, you know, people have lost their loved ones. And it's a difficult time for a lot of people. So, so yeah. So we're that this is all over soon and that they find a vaccine um, and things get better. Yeah, so true. So, so true. I think my heart just goes out to, yeah, so many people who are suffering directly and indirectly from just the, yeah, from the virus and its consequences on health and everything else and jobs and livelihood and, yeah. And I think it's been a great time of reflection as well for a lot of people because the suddenness of this virus um and the way it's disrupted a lot of people's lives in the last couple of weeks has just been incredible and I think one of the things it's allowed people to do is just to reflect upon the things that are really important yeah and one of the things which I you know I haven't spoken to quite a few people is just family has just become so much more valued and everyone's concerned about their family members. They're checking up on their family members, making sure everyone's okay um, at this time. And people are just really more thankful that, you know, things are going well with most of their family members and mm-hmm. just making sure. So, yeah. And I, yeah. And I think the more I reflect upon that, I just think, you know, it's so easy because we get so carried away generally in our day-to-day lives that we often forget what what is really important and I just wanted to like in this episode talk about family and as it is a Nigerian podcast I want to talk specifically about Nigerian families and I think it's a great time to just reminisce and reflect on the values that most Nigerian families share yeah you know what makes us unique what makes us what makes family important what makes family special um at this time so generally what is your I mean what is your take on what is your experience of being part of a Nigerian family generally um so 
I feel like I they're definitely like family values being a Nigerian and I think um my I'll say like my major time in a Nigerian family was like growing up in Nigeria so I was born in Nigeria and I grew up in Nigeria and I think you have like the basic family values that are just ingrained in you from early on and so for for my parents and and I think it differs for families as well so I'd say the yeah. general overall Nigerian family values, which I feel like are, you know, education is important, um, you know, respect your respect your um, elders. But then I think specific to the, the other things specific to family. So I think for my family, it was just a matter of generosity, like opening your arms to others who are less fortunate as well and just hard work as well and resilience and you know aspiration always aspiring to be better do better as well so I think that um just in a growing up in a Nigerian um you know household or family in my early years I, I just see how um it's it's very like it's not even apologetic unapologetically you're being um, told or you're being taught or you're being made aware that, you know, I'm trying to instill in you values. And so even when I get disciplined or, or you know, for, for different things, you know, it's like, okay, I'm trying to instill in you a, dis- uh, um, a value. So just just something like, you know, showing my parents, because in, in a Nigerian culture, for example, when... Um, aunties or uncles come to visit they like give you something um you know like money or something like for us in my family we had to show our mum or our our dad bef- what we were given or you know did you, did you, just, you know that just took me back because obviously I, I experienced the same thing as well mm-hmm. when, when you received gifts as a child especially money for example yeah and you had to it to your parent or show it to them mm-hmm. and then they kept it for you did you ever see that money again? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want to know if it's just me or you know. Don't my 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 mum be like, yeah, let me keep it for you, <laughs> and that's the last you're gonna see that money. And then when you ask for it, she'll say, so all the food you've been eating, all the clothes you're wearing, <laughs> where do you think that money comes from? So like, what? Oh, but the it's I. You, you know, auntie told me to buy biscuits and you told me you were going to keep it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but, I, now, but do you feel like it changed over the years? Say that again? Do you feel like it changed over the years? So, for example, for, for us, like at the beginning, when we were a lot younger, that happened. But then as we, as we grew older, it was like, okay, we're still your money. And you kind of kept tabs of it in your mind anyway. And every now and again, you will we will like tell our mom or maybe she was trying to like get us to see the value of money because then it actually became something where we were actually aware that okay this is how much we actually had and this is how much we were given sort of thing and I think yeah I was just gonna say and when we went to like because we went to boarding school as well so I think you you get pocket money in boarding school as well and so you kind of got a you, you kind of got like an idea of money and how it works and you know just how much money I have sort of thing um as we got older, I think I a part of that was also after a while you just don't trust them when they say let me keep it for you so we I started I had my own piggy bank and it then became a bit of an adventurous thing to like just be keeping money in the piggy bank and see how much money 
you have at the end of the year or something. So I started to learn to keep my own money. You still have to show it to them. But then when the oh, uh, let me keep it for you comes into play, I'm like, nah, <laughs> I keep my money myself. So, yeah. And then obviously going to boarding school, you just become a bit more responsible for your own finance and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting part of childhood. But then you also men- mentioned aspiration, um, being part of the values that are instilled in you. Yeah. And I didn't realise how much that is a... I don't think it's unique to Nigerians, but I think it's definitely something that it's common and it's um it's a it's a great... It's a, it's a more permanent feature of the Nigerian family values than I realize until I started speaking to like friends from other parts of the world and they always say oh you Nigerians you're too ambitious you're too Nigerians are just everywhere you go you you know Nigerians they want to take over they want to do well Mm. Uh, like well doesn't everybody want to do well (laughs) no but I think for Nigerians is different I don't know if you've heard like every single parent was the first in their class and so they're like you know when I was when I was in your when I was your age you know I used to come first <laughs> you know it's like so if every parent was first it was the last in the class I always wondered yeah I remember the same thing as well or even things like if you if you if they're like 30 of you in your class and you become and you you know like after exams mm-hmm. you have and they give you like your position according to your performance yeah. and the first person obviously is the person who's done the best and heaven forbid you come third or fourth or fifth or even second you hear things like so the person that came first do they have 10 minutes <laughs> why why why, why? You know, the first like only one person can become first do you know what i mean <laughs> and it's just like but when I when I interacted with friends from other parts of the world and you know they always go on about how Nigerians are too ambitious and you guys want everything and you have 10 businesses you know you have like fireside hustles plus your daytime job and all of this it's just like I think it's just part of that aspirational model that has been instilled in us Mm. and I think isn't always the same in other cultures in the world so that's an interesting one yeah I it's it's hard to it's hard to for me I I feel like it's hard to say yes because I'm just like oh I'm not too privy on like a lot of other cultures but I definitely know that for Nigerians that I know or I've met or even being a Nigerian myself and even um you know at different points just um having to live with non-Nigerians at different points I feel like aspiration is definitely something where it's like okay you can do better keep going you can you know surpass this and yeah it's, yeah. it's interesting yeah and I think one of the other values um that I noted as being part of a Nigerian family is respect yeah I think we are so massive on respecting your elders mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how many days older as long as I was born one second before you <laughs> you have to respect me yeah. um and I remember because I've got I've got two brothers two younger brothers and the first one is like less than two years younger than me so I'm the oldest and growing up we just used to all you know play with each other and call each other by names and 
there wasn't really that I mean, you you have to respect your elders, but there wasn't such a big deal made out of it, especially because, you know, there's, there's less than two or, you know, it wasn't any significant age gap. Yeah. Like that. But then I remember we'd go and visit my grandma and my brother would call me by my name and my grandma would have a fit. She was not having it. Just, she would be like, that's your elder sister. That's your this and that. She's auntie so so to you. And I'm just like, what? And um, as a child, I mean, this was like, I was, what, eight? He was six and a half or something. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you really want that. I think there was something about just having that respect that was such a, you know, it was such a nice feeling, for lack of better word. Mm-hmm. Then I remember my mom used to be like, oh, just leave them alone. You know, the the modern, I don't know, she said something in Yoruba, but I, I can't translate in, in English. But I think it was something like, oh, the modern children or whatever. And then my mom traveled and we went to live with my grandma. And I was in boarding school. My brother was with my grandma. And by the time I came back, you best believe it, my brother had to start calling me auntie. Wow. Um, I can't believe this. Do you think this will call your auntie till today? Um, so now it's a bit different. Like the res- so there's still a level of respect that shows that I'm older than him, but occasionally I might get the auntie whatever as a bit of a joke or you know, just messing about. But there's definitely a, a level of respect there. Okay. That I think wouldn't have I, d- I wouldn't say it wouldn't have been there if my, if we hadn't lived with my grandma, but it would have looked differently. Do you see what I mean? It yeah. would have looked different. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. because I feel like um, in in my household, that didn't really happen. Like, I, mm-hmm. yeah, so I've, I never, so I'm a middle child and I have an older brother and a younger sister, but I've never called my brother, like brother something or you know and my sister's never called mm. me sister something but I don't know maybe it's it's the uh, we don't have a lot of years between ourselves maybe that's why or and I also feel like my mom wasn't she didn't really you know promote that as well so but I, yeah. yeah but I still feel like there's a when you, when you had parents over or you had other family members come to your house did they not frown at that no because my grandma lived with us for a very long time like she lived with us for for most of what I can remember she lived with us like most of my younger days you know so I can't remember her saying like saying anything in terms of oh you know calling your brother I think it was more of the way we acted towards each other that was when I knew you know I was the older one or the younger person not necessarily by name so for example for me um, in, in Yoruba, there's something called agbaya. So you, it means like you're acting irresponsibly as an older person. And so I'll do something. Yeah. And then my my um, my grandma, for example, just for my younger sister, she'll, be, she'll, she'll tell me that I'm agbaya. I don't know the literal translation of that, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, it's just like a, a, an older person acting irresponsibly. Yeah. yeah. So, my, so my grandma would like say that. So I think that in, in that sense, it wasn't by you know, how you, like, what we called each other. It was more of, you know, how you acted. And my mom would always tell my brother, you know, you're meant to be an example to your sister sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I feel like the name in terms of, oh, you know, brother this or brother that, I don't, or 
I, I never yeah. I think it's a common, I think it's a common thing amongst the Yoruba people in particular and I can only speak for my tribe which I'm Yoruba because I know even with the way respect is shown in Nigeria differs amongst different cultures and amongst different tribes should I say yeah. so the way and I think the Yoruba people are renowned for their emphasis on respect and respect being shown in a particular way yes I agree (laughs) I so agree I remember a friend telling me a story of this um she went into a restaurant and basically there was a woman there and you know as a as a Yoruba person and she knew that she was going to a Nigerian restaurant and she called this woman auntie and basically the, the the lady came back and turned to her and said don't call me auntie call me mommy and I was like what (laughs) I was like what but you know I yeah (laughs) mommy you know wow yes (laughs) I remember her telling me and I was like what but then you know I feel like it with with respect to like culture and respect and everything that there's a I feel like sometimes it's taken to the very, very south or very, very north. I don't know how you say that saying. It's extreme, basically. You know. Yeah, another thing. Yeah, because even like the whole kneeling down to Greek, and and they like in the Igbo culture, I don't want to misrepresent them now, but I know that the whole kneeling down and stuff is not really something that they do. And so when you have that interaction between a Yoruba and an Igbo person, and so maybe like a younger Igbo person was interacting with an older Yoruba person, mm-hmm. I think the Yoruba person is more likely to find the Igbo person disrespectful yeah. if you know they haven't exercised that respect in the in in the way that they used to. But another thing that I used to do, um that people used to find disrespectful. So I'm left-handed. Yes. I never really understood the logic behind this. But if you, and even the last time I went to Nigeria, a couple, not the last time, but um, my visit almost um, five years ago now. Mm-hmm. So there's this thing with like exchanging things with with your left hand yes. in Nigeria. So if you give an older person something with your left hand, it's almost like you've, cursed them or you've done the you've done the most disgusting crime in the world I don't know but as a child I just used to feel so upset I'm like I don't understand I'm left-handed I'm not purposely trying like this is how God made me Mm. but he was always like ah how dare you how how this how that I was just like oh and so the more of my story so with the last time I went to Nigeria and I boarded a public transport and I wanted to pay the bus driver and so naturally I mean I'd lived in England for a very long time by this point I totally forgotten about the whole thing and so I I gave the bus driver um the fare with my left hand and it was an older man he was not accepting it he didn't accept it and there were a lot of people in the bus as well so I was so embarrassed oh my goodness I was so embarrassed. It was like, ah, uh, um, I can't remember how he said it, but something like, ah, I beg, change your hand, change your hand. Uh, this is, who do you think you are? And no, do you know, also the last time I went, this very last time I went, like in December, not this, two Decembers ago, 
I went to a restaurant, right? And I wanted to pay for my food. And the girl, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm older than the girl. Um, I I gave her the money with my my left hand as well. And she was like, ah, excuse me, please change it to your right hand. We don't accept money. Turned. I was like, and my young cousin was with me. I was so furious. I was so furious. And obviously, I don't have the appetite for making trouble yeah. the way they do in Nigeria. Yeah. I, just, I just, I just gave the money to my younger cousin, and I walked out. And I said, "Please, just sort it out." And I can't. I actually don't have the, I don't have the appetite or the. I just don't have it. Like, why is that a disrespectful thing? I think it's because, like, sometimes, well. I, I say this not that I know the answer to everything, but the 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 left hand is seen as like the hand of the sunner, and it's also seen as the hand that you use, you know, when you go to the loo. And like traditionally, even in like like I should say traditionally in Nigeria, like there's no um toilet tissue, <laughs> toilet paper. But well, I say this with a caveat. I wouldn't generalize it like that, but I think what you mean is the access to like public toilets or, you know, just the way you have it here, the ease of having tissues. Yeah, or... yeah. So, so it depends. There's a caveat in the sense that it's not like with Nigeria, you can't generalize everything because people with different social yeah. statuses and different areas. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think that's why it's seen as rude. And, you know, I'm not even surprised that thing happened with the, with the conductor as well, like you know, in on a on a on a public transport and everything, because it, it's everywhere. Like people see it as being rude when you use your when you use your left hand. And I always wondered actually why you literally do everything with your left hand, but then you write with your right hand as well. I think it comes to play with that. <laughs> yeah. I think that was from like primary school as well. I, you know, uh, let's not. I think that is an entire conversation on its own, to be honest, because I didn't understand. And my mom wasn't like, I didn't grow up in a household where my mom didn't allow anyone to bully me with, you know, changing my left hand or anything like that. Um, you know, it was always, like, my dad is left handed as well. Um, and so it was always like, yeah, that's fine. In, even when we had visitors at home and they would want to say something, my mom would just, my mom would just shut it down, shut down the conversation. But obviously, when you go out into the public, there's nothing, you know, it's just you can't help people's views on this sort of things. So it was just really hard. And I think with the whole writing with my right hand was just from school, and you used to get beaten with a ruler at the back of your hand until you change it. <laughs> so, yeah. But I think that messed up with my brain, with how my brain actually functions. I, I've got a theory about that, but that's for another day. But what other thing, I, I think another moral value or just another thing that is part of a Nigerian family is discipline. Yes. I think how we, how we discipline children. Were you disciplined as a child? Um, I yes, but and no. I say yes and no because I feel like when people think of discipline in a Nigerian household, people think of you received cane all the time, and I. But I the, yes, yes. So the thing about it is, I did receive um beating sometimes, but I feel like one thing my mom did really well was that my mom knew the difference between her children. 
So I think for, for mm. me, because there were three of us growing up, and I think for me, all my mom had to do was just speak to me and tell me how disappointed she was in me. Mm-hmm. And I'm in tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? But then on the other hand, like my sister, for example, she got more beatings than I did. Because basically, my mom would like speak to me, but then my sister was more... Um, like words didn't really affect her the way it did me so my mom would be talking and she's just like when you finish girl you're gonna stop <laughs> and so <laughs> and so I feel like she would usually my mom would usually she'll start by talking to both of us and I feel like me yeah. I'm already I'm already like breaking down and you know <laughs> and my sister is there mm-hmm. and I think my mom will then bring my sister closer to her and smack my sister and me I'm already like crying anyway because now I'm crying because I'm crying for I'm crying because I feel bad because my mom was shouting on me and then I'm crying because I'm crying for my sister who's getting bitten as well so so yeah Yeah. but um I think but I think think that's still discipline though yeah discipline isn't be it's about how you train your child you know how you correct them and the different methods of disciplining. True. So I, I think you can discipline, um, but in a different way. Yeah. And I think that's what Nigerian families or just parents do. I think it's starting to change. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's starting to change and people are starting to recognise the different ways in which you can discipline a child. I know that for myself growing up, my mum used to have this saying that I still to today just think, I mean, I get the logic behind it in that she would highlight to me how one small, one wrongdoing can lead to a bigger, can lead to a bigger wrongdoing. Yeah. So saying, she used to say in Yoruba and I'll say it now and then I'll try and translate it. So like, let's say, for example, I've told a lie. Maybe, you know, I told, I told a lie when I was younger in a particular instance, and she said to me, hmm, I wish it in English, that means a child that lies will steal, and a child that steals will carry gun, and a child that carries a gun will kill. And uh, I used to be like, how does lying end up at killing, you know? But there's a lot of wisdom in that to an extent because it may not exactly be that the crimes will transpire in that order, but it's just like a little little sin or a little wrongdoing really is is what's going to breed the bigger one. So if you give way for a little mis given and misdoing it's going to lead to a bigger thing yeah but the way you say it oh, I just be like oh I don't understand like I've just told a lie why do we have to become but I think from earlier on I really got to understand the, the consequences yeah. and how you know don't just overlook the little thing that a child does yeah. you have to help bigger picture yeah it's so true and <laughs> like yourself when she would speak to me I would just start to cry Mm -hmm. it's so true and I feel like even in discipline I think another thing just learning was that actually no one can you're you're responsible for your own action so I think one thing my mom always told us off for was you know when like something happens and I say oh my sister made me do it my mom would be like so she carried carried your hand she now told you to go to Mm -hmm. that place 
to go and do it? How does she make you do it? And I feel like you, it kind of, it kind of helps you as you grow older as well, because you, you get a sense of, okay, I am, I am, you know, responsible for my own actions sort of thing. Definitely. Um, Definitely. You know, so. Because what, what I used to say is, so if they told you to put your hand inside fire, will you yeah. go and put your hand inside <laughs> fire? Yes. Yeah. That's true. So definitely to, to be responsible for your own actions. And that's why I always say to people like, you know, just take just take responsibility. And I think after you get to a certain age, it just doesn't cut it anymore to say, oh, someone made me do mm-hmm. it. Obviously, pressure does exist, but I think it's a it's a parent's responsibility to really help their child to understand that they need to be responsible. Mm-hmm for their own action. Even if someone didn't legitimately make you do it, you're still responsible yeah. for your action. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I think those are all like really, you know, reminiscing and reflecting on those values of just what makes a Nigerian family so unique. And I, I'm sure some of these things cut across other cultures as well, you know, in other countries of the world. But I think definitely if you speak to any Nigerian family, any Nigerian child, they will at least agree to like one or more of these things that we've mentioned. But one thing that I also want to talk about, though, that I do know is quite prevalent in Nigerian families is separation. Yes. It's It's family separation and the way that it's dealt with Yes, yes. An interesting one. And obviously families separate for different reasons. Yeah, so true. In your yeah, so in what are what are some of the if you what are some of the reasons that you think families like Nigerian not just families generally, but like Nigerian families separate? So just just to clarify, like separation from mom, dad. Um, and children living together in Nigeria or even outside of Nigeria. That's what I'll. That's what I'll. I'll probably say. So I think, like, just yeah. just in terms of generally in Nigeria, like families separate with regards to um, you being raised, like a child being raised by people other than their parents for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for work. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for um, you know. Um, Maybe I'll just say work actually, or or just even like for um, more experience. Like you, your parents want you wants you to experience life in a different way. So I, I'll just say this: like raising another child or being raised by someone who is not your your mum or your dad in Nigeria. It's not a new thing. You know, people go, for example, during holidays to spend a whole holiday with like their grandparents or something or. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think like major big separations that happen. I think a lot of the time, a lot, a lot of the time is pushed for you know economic necessity and just also a need for either the parents, either of the parents wanting to better themselves or wanting to better the family situation that they find themselves. I, I, I would say, yeah, yeah. I agree with that in the extent that the way the economy of Nigeria is, it really does, to some extent, compel families to seek opportunities outside of the country. Yeah. And and that usually means that for a period of time, 
um, either an extended period of time or a short period of time, the family is separated. Yeah. Um, usually the parents will travel, either the mum or dad, or the both of them will travel and the children will be left behind until such a time when the children can go over and, and join their parents. And that period of time could be anything from months to 10 years yeah. or more, or, or even never. Mm. And it becomes a permanent arrangement where, or my dad and my mom live in, they live in um, Canada and we've just lived in Nigeria all these years, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, I've, <laughs> a friend was telling me this recent, uh, a while ago when his parents were traveling out of Nigeria, um, I, they, they took him and his siblings to um, their uncle's, the uncle's place and it was just a thing of all oh, his parents were going to go for a party or they were going to go to another city in Nigeria for the weekend and then they were going to come back to pick them up yeah. um, and then the next thing they knew their parents were already in the UK wow. and it was, it was another five years before they saw their parents again wow. it's like raw that that is just imagine the trauma yes Yes, I can. I can definitely imagine the trauma just of the child, just knowing that your parents said, "Okay, you know, I'm just going here. And then it's not until five years later you see them. I think because your mind would always be going back to that moment when it was just like, oh, wow. Um, Yeah, they're gone, (laughs) you know. And I think, I think that just gives a lack of trust as well, because I and I think this thing happened like in little, little things, because I know when I was younger, if my mom was trying to. So my my brother, one of my brothers was really clingy and wouldn't them like my mom to go out on her own. So my mom would say, oh, um, she, you know, she would try and tell him to go and get biscuits in another room or, or I'm coming, I'm going down the road or something like that. And then that was her way of escaping. And then she would just escape to go and do whatever she wanted to do. But that's like a little, that has like very minimal consequence because then she would come back at the end of the day or like after how many hours. Um, and so my brother kind of like started to realise that when my mom says, oh, I'm going to do this he will start to doubt yeah. and that make the clinginess got worse because he's like no I don't trust you now <laughs> that was like mm-hmm. and for well, five hours or something like that you know but in this case it's a totally different extreme case isn't it yes yes it is it is a it's different yeah no, I was just gonna say yes it is yeah. different I agree yeah, and I think the whole that sort of arrangement is also more common than I guess than we realize. Um, just because when I was in boarding school in Nigeria, many of my friends had parents who lived abroad. Yeah, and and they lived with their grandparents, or they lived with one uncle or the other, and so. I don't know how I, now that I'm a lot older, I don't know how I feel about that sort of separation because those kind of families where, and I didn't realise there was a word for this until the other day when I was doing some research online, um, that sort of family arrangement where the parents migrate to another country, leaving the children behind in their country of origin. is set, So that sort of family arrangement is called a transnational family. Yeah, yeah. Um. And the more I think about it, the more I just don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if, do you think it's a, what's your general feel about it before I even ask you? Um, 
Okay, so as I as I mentioned before, I feel like just um, you know, being in in a Nigerian setting, you know, being raised by um someone who's not your parent is, is not a new thing or you know as as somebody raising another child who is not necessarily your child is not a new thing but I think with regards to transnational families that's just it's 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 a it's a bit different and a bit extreme in a sense that because the the distance between the child and the parent is so large like you're talking about a different country altogether so I I, I give the example mm -hmm. of the UK and Nigeria as well and I feel like for the because well things are different now I guess because of technology and everything but I can imagine for you know back in the day or you know years and years ago there's always it's, you know you you weren't able to be in touch as much with your parents mm -hmm. and so there's always there would always be like a sense of perceived abandonment from that child and especially mm -hmm. if, especially if it's happening at a young age where the child is separated from their family and then I think also um, just something like that happening over continents or whatever it, it also opens up the child um, to be vulnerable to abuse and also I feel mm -hmm. like you know sometimes resentment comes in to play or you know there's, there's just a heightened sense of you know, wanting to belong into a family or, or, or things like that for the child who has been separated. Again, I say this not to take away just the, the dreams and aspirations that the parent has, which I have to come from the point of view of good intentions, um, mm -hmm. you know, from the parent's point of view in wanting to better their family and them seeing that the only way that they can do that is by you know, traveling abroad, for example, to places like the UK to improve themselves and, you know, improve the economic status of a family. Yeah. And of, of course, in many cases, it's worked out well where, you know, the parents have gone out and they've been able to, within a, a shorter period, a shorter period of time, come back for the kids and everyone lives happily ever after. But it doesn't always work like that. Yes. Um because I know of scenarios where it's been years later and even those years later, imagine if when you traveled, your child was five and you weren't able to really be in live as a family again until 10 years later when they're 15. It's just like, I feel like you, you lose so many years. Yeah. Yeah. That period. Um, and I wonder if things will ever actually really be the same. Cause I know of another man who, um, in this country, actually, in the UK, um, a couple of years ago, I'm not sure what his situation is like anymore, but he moved to this country. He has a wife and I think three kids in Nigeria. And from the as of the last time that I saw him and interacted with him, he hadn't gone back to Nigeria in like 12 years. Wow. And when he left, his kids were like two, three, below the age of five. Mm. Well, if you're if you're two, three, five years old and you haven't seen your dad in twelve years, what kind of what kind of father father child relationship is that going to be? Do you see what I mean? Yes, yes, so true. How has that affected the children? And even how has that affected the man himself? Um, if at all, it's affected the man. But I do feel like this is a very like this is a different. This is a topic that one could even do you in that whole separate episode yeah I agree I agree because I feel like it's important 
for for Nigerians to think more and more in, in a sense that actually, you know, the family is the bedrock of society. And I feel like, mm-hmm. yes, it's on a desperation that some people have to do what they have to do. But I feel like it affects it affects the, the parent themselves because they go through separation, um, you know, anxiety, like depression or whatever themselves. And then it affects the child and even the child's child. And, you know, it's 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 something worth thinking about more because of the consequences are wider than, you know, just the idea of, OK, I want to make life better. Better, definitely. I agree with you. And I think necessity, sometimes we need to redefine what necessity is and, you know, is it necessary? I understand that things are really not great in Nigeria for everybody. Um, And, you know, if you have the opportunity to make life better for yourself, but I think we need to be more conscious of the cost of the decisions that we're making, especially when there's a family involved. Mm -hmm. So true. I think, I think that's really important. And so, yeah, I, I, but I would be interested to know, you know, from the listeners, if they if they've experienced this, what the experience of family separation is, um, and I think there's even like family separation when it comes in terms of divorce or parents separating and what that means because a lot of Nigerian households have single parents. True, so true. Fathers, um, and this is this is a I, I mean family is something that is really close to my heart, and when I think about these things, especially now in this time where the coronavirus is really. <laughs> I mean, there's a kind of like enforced separation, really, but not in the same sense of what, we talk, of what we've been talking about. But there's a separation where people can't even see their parents who live down the road mm. um, because you know, you're, for their safety and for their well-being, you have to be very careful. And that's quite sad in and of itself. But then you think of the actual, the other types of separation where there's a divorce involved or the parents, you know, there's just there's disharmony in, in the home um, and what that means for the children, what that means for the parents and what that means for the community at large. Um, that, that would be quite, that would be a topic I'd like to discuss in a separate episode yeah. and flesh out a bit more. But I'll be, I'll be interested to hear from, you know, from the listeners and, and see what they think and generally just what makes their Nigerian family unique if there's anything, you know, they'd like to contribute that we haven't mentioned already, they can drop their comments in our social media space. But yeah, I think this has been a very interesting session, Abisola. Thank you for thank you for joining me. Uh, me. <laughs> I finally, finally was able to just record um this episode. But before you go, I just want to play a quick game. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. so get yourself ready just to, uh, I guess, just know what your what your take is. So, what is your favorite Nigerian food? Oh, can I can I say more than one? <laughs> Would it be a favorite if but it's more than one? <laughs> I, I feel like I love food, so I feel like I I should be I should be able to say more than one, right? Okay, go on. I'll say ayamase and yam porridge. Wait, is that as a combination or a separate thing? As separate. I've never had it together. Maybe I'll try and have it together one day. 
Ayamasha is not really a food because if you're gonna have ayamasha, you gonna you you have to have it with something else. Yeah, yeah, maybe 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 I'll say ayamasa and maybe rice. I just I just love that stew on its own when it's not too peppery as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. My next question is: Where is your favorite place in Nigeria? Um, good question. I. Mm, <laughs> Joss, I'll say Joss actually, because I paused and I was like, mm, I had good memories living in Joss and staying in Joss. Mm. I I was in the north for about three years, and my dad actually lives in the north now, so we spend a lot of time in the north. My dad is in Kaduna at the moment, but we spent a couple of years in Joss. Nice. And finally, what Nigerian song are you vibing to at the moment? Ah. <sighs> Good question. Uh, you know when you ask these questions, that's when every song just comes out of your head. Anything, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think. Um, uh, okay, because I was speaking to you and this song reminds me of you, I don't know the name of the song, but I just remember it because you um, you said that, um, I think it's by Timmy Dacolo. I don't know the name of the song, but I know it's, it says, this our love is not their mate. <laughs> what? Take that. What's it, what's the song called? I think it's take take that. Yeah, maybe take that. and Olamide. Yeah, I don't know the name of the song, but I just remember because I remember you you just say, and I'm just like, Laura, what's this? <laughs> and then I I, <laughs> no. I listened to it, and I was like, oh, this song is that it's quite playful and nice to listen to. So yeah, yeah, it's a it's a nice song. Um. But I'm also liking um Simi's um Dudike. I need to listen to it again actually. Have you oh that song I I it, I don't know why YouTube doesn't have a repeat button, but I yeah, I think I need to get on Spotify. But yeah. And just sort But now now but now any- that you mentioned Simi, I'm just like I like I actually like um a few of her songs and I think Adekunle mm-hmm. really Gold as well. I like um a few of her songs as well. The power couple. Yeah. Oh, anyway, so we've come to the very end of this episode. Abisola, thank you so much once again for joining me. And to my listeners, thank you. And yes, see you next time on another episode of Those Nigerians. Thank you. Bye now. Bye.